And I'm Howie Silberger. Good Sunday evening. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Coming up in about an hour, Dino Mazzoni will be joining us. He'll be, uh, he'll be talking about a speech he's going to be giving at the Knights of Pythias this week. Uh, he's talking about True Talk Radio. He's talking about his new show here on True Talk Radio, which is starting in just a couple of weeks. Um, his show called Sidebar. So stay tuned for that. That'll, that's coming up in about an hour. Dino will be here. Um, Sheldon Eric Freed will be joining me in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about lefty lunacy. Yes, lefty lunacy. Now, when we thought lefty lunacy was a thing of the States, we thought that it only happened in the South. We're starting to see it creep into Canada. And it's creeping kind of quickly. So it's crawling. It's not really creeping. It's crawling. It's crawling into Canada. And it is scary. It is getting very, very, very scary. Uh, I blame it. I blame it partly on, on, on the COVID pandemic. That people are sitting at home and they have nothing better to do with their lives but uh, think up this crazy stupidity. But it, it's more than that. And the reason I say it's more than that is because now it is creeping into our educational institutions. Now, it wasn't our edu educational institutions before this. And um, uh, I've told you numerous times about the uh, story about my university experience where we're in a safe zone. We don't talk about uh, gender and we don't talk about religion and we don't, we don't refer to people by gender or religion or anything else. But we're going to talk about feminist literature because, because you know, Woman writing is different than men writing, even though genders don't exist. Uh, I told you about the hypocrisy on university campuses. We spoke about that quite a few times. But it's now creeping even into our high schools. A little while back, I told you about, um, I told you about some private schools in, in Ontario um, that changed their COVID regulations to, to say that if, if, if an active shooter comes into the school, it is more important to protect the kids against COVID than getting shot in the head. So kids should be forced to stay in their seats rather than being put into the safe corner in the, uh, in the classroom. And, and a couple of private schools had changed their policies in order to, uh, to reflect that because if, if you push kids into the corner to save them from flying bullets, then they run the greater risk of catching COVID. Because that was the more dangerous thing. Lead poisoning, a bullet hitting your brain wasn't as, as, as dangerous, apparently. But now the Ontario College of Teachers. Oh, this, this group, it's, uh, it's the certifying group for teachers in Ontario. They are the ones who, who tell you, you could be a teacher, you cannot be a teacher in the, in the province of Ontario. Canada's biggest province, right? Most populous province, at least. Uh, they release. Uh, they have a. Um, they have a magazine that comes out every every month. It's called Professionally Speaking, and the March twenty twenty first magazine, which I which I have right here in my hands, um, has a, a full section, a full section on creating uh, AQs, which are which are the specialties, uh, through stories and narratives, and it's your guide to the new AQ guidelines on anti-black racism. Now, of course, we know that February is uh, is Black History Month. And we know that all summer was uh, let's burn down the the cities and uh, and demand and demand equality for or equity for for black people, um, 
but but the Ontario uh, the Ontario College of Teachers, the um, the Ontario College of Teachers, the certifying body of the teachers in Ontario, have decided to delve deep into into um, into Black Lives Matter territory. And in on page on page three of their of their magazine right here, it says uh, defining systemic racism. Now, now remember, everything printed in this magazine is official policy of the Ontario uh, College of Teachers and must be followed. The guidelines must be followed by all licensed teachers in Ontario. So, so just keep that in mind as we read through some of this, because uh, when you talk about left-wing lunacy, this is it. Let's define systemic racism. Systemic racism is deeply rooted within Canadian society and within all of our institutions in the policy of practices and procedures that lead to disproportionate outcomes across many spaces. Very, um, very high-tech words. Very complicated language. Let's break it down. You're a racist. That's what they're saying. Every single Canadian is a racist. Every single Canadian institution is racist. Everybody's a racist. Systemic racism is deeply rooted within Canadian society. It's inherent. It's deeply rooted. You cannot be Canadian and not be a racist. This is the Ontario College of Teachers. Everybody's a racist. Doesn't matter how much you love your, your black neighbors, your black friends. Doesn't matter if you're black yourself. Everybody's a racist. And every Canadian institution is racist. It's deeply embedded in, the, embedded in our society and in all our institutions. Now, that's, that, that, that was a comment made by Nicole West Burns, an independent educational equity consultant. When Statistics Canada show black Canadians are more likely than any other racial group to be the target of hate crimes, more likely to face unemployment or, or to make less income annually. And that is systemic racism. It's not about individuals. It's about data that shows race impacting societal outcomes. Now, it's funny. And, well, it's not, the, the situation's not funny. But, 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 but it's funny that they only look at the color of someone's skin, but not other qualifications. So, so we could call it racism. You want to say it's systemic racism. Oh, everybody's racist. Every institution's racist. Everything's racist. But there might be other factors involved in, in people not having jobs. There might be other factors in people not getting farther ahead in certain, uh, in certain fields. Uh, there, there might be other factors and I know that it's not only black people who aren't getting jobs, and it's not only black people who aren't getting promoted. I know plenty of white people. I know plenty of uh, Asian people. I know plenty of other people who aren't getting jobs and who are unemployed and who are, uh, who are not being promoted properly. And I don't think it's because of the color of their skin. There's other factors involved. There's always other factors involved. Sometimes it's age. Sometimes it's qualifications. Sometimes it's experience. Sometimes it's education. I don't think skin color in Canada plays a huge role in, in the fact that some people aren't, getting adva aren't advancing in their jobs. And when we put divisions like this, and when we put divisive language and hostile language like this in professional magazines put out by certifying bodies for certain professions, it just gets scarier, doesn't it? 
She adds, in school, systemic racism looks like black students never seeing themselves in the curriculum, being suspended and expelled disproportionately, being streamed into less academic pathways, and being seen less than capable intellectually by many teachers and administrators. I would like to see the statistics on that. They don't, they don't provide the statistics. This person just says it. They just write it. There's no statistics provided. I'd like to see the statistics on that. How true is that? I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to wager... That if we actually looked at the numbers, and I haven't looked at the numbers, I'll be honest, I have not looked up the numbers. But if we actually looked at the numbers, we would see that maybe this concept of systemic racism, this idea that we're all racist and there's nothing we could do about it, we're inbred racists, might not be so accurate. Maybe. Now, now if you found that outrageous, I turned the page. So, so if that page was outrageous to you, which it was outrageous to me, I turned the page. And, and I almost regret turning the page. I honestly do. So I read the article. The article just keeps going on about how white people are racist and how everyone's racist and Canada's a racist country and Canada's built on racism. And basically the same arguments they make about the United States. The United States was built on slavery. It's not true. None of it's true. But it's the arguments that were made by Black Lives Matters all summer. And all the politically correct educators and, and institutions are trying to keep up with, with this new woke society, this new society that, uh, that believes that everything and everything is, is based on race and, and, and color, that somehow the, the, the only thing you can't control about yourself, the only thing that you have absolutely zero control about defines you, we, we have flipped around the civil rights movements, these, these guys who died for civil rights, the guys who died to try to make a colorblind society, the guys who died to, to try, to, to, try to, um, to force, to force uh, everybody, to, to, to encourage everybody to be, to be, to be equals and to, and to live together and to, and to, and to work together. Uh, all these people, all these people who died you know, fighting the fight are rolling in their graves as desegregation is happening, right? We desegregated in the 1960s. We're resegregating now. Do you know Harvard University has a separate graduating ceremony for white students and black students? And you know that, that, that it was insisted on by the black students, not the white students? Do you know that Harvard University also has, um, has separate dormitories for black students and separate dining halls for black students? which was demanded by the black student population, not the white student population. We're going back to segregation, but it's, 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 it's really a strange segregation because the segregation is being demanded by, uh, by, by, by the people who fought to be desegregated. It doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical. But this is what's happening. So I turned the page of this magazine, and this is what I found. Self-reflection is the key to growth. So, Prince Erto, a senior diversity and inclusion specialist at Gaybridge Macklem, a company that provides services in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Imagine they, they provide services in, in, separating, in separating societies and in, in, in causing this kind, of, uh, this kind of rift in society. Uh, and intercultural and language training offers the following advice to grow self-awareness. So, 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 you may think, you may think that you're not a racist. 
Sheldon Freed, Howie Sobiger, and everybody watching and listening might think you're not racist. That you don't have a racist bone in your body. You might believe that. But you're wrong. You're very, very wrong. Self-reflect. So, start with yourself. This is the first piece of advice they give you. Start with yourself. Recognize your privilege. Now, I don't know about you. I, I really don't know about you. But I, I, I'm not very privileged. I, I don't have millions of dollars. I've had to work very hard over a lot of many years doing many different jobs in order to own everything I own today. I had to get an education. I have three university degrees. I had to go to university. I had to work really hard to get three university degrees. And then I had to work really hard with my hands and my mind in order to raise money, to, to, to make money, to earn money, to get to where I am today. Not only that, but not every job that I applied to did I get because I'm, I'm apparently a white person. But I'm not a white person. I'm a Jewish person. Hitler made it very clear I wasn't white. So I don't know where I fit into the scale of colors, if that's important at all. To me, it's really not, but if that's important to anybody at all. But my privilege? Yeah, I had the privilege of having my family thrown into ovens in Europe. Yeah, I had the privilege of, of my family scrambling here with, with just the clothes on their backs. We had the privilege of, of having to work hard and, 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 and work, work and toil till our nails fell out of our fingers and the skin was, was, was great from our knuckles to make a living because nobody wanted to hire Jews in the 1940s. Oh, what privilege do we have? Check your privilege. Yeah, okay. Number two, self-reflect. Are you aware of yourself, your feelings around race and differences? Oh, I am aware of myself. I, I'm aware of myself and my feelings about race and differences. I don't think race is an issue. I don't think race should be important. I think the more we talk about this baloney, the more we tell you, I'm sorry, I almost used a word there, but, but that word would have been appropriate in, the, in this context. The more we talk about this garbage, the more we cause divisions in society. You want to stop racism? You want to stop, you want to stop this kind of baloney? Stop focusing on race. Start focusing on, 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 on qualifications. Start focusing on personalities. Start focusing on how nice people are to each other. Who cares what color you are? Who cares where you came from? I don't. I, I, I really don't. I don't care. You just have to be a nice person. That's all I care about. I don't care about anything else. You could be green for all I care. So I am aware of my, uh, my feelings around race and, um, and differences. Recognition. What have you learned in self-reflection? Do you need to re-educate yourself? You know who had re-education centers? The communists. They had re-education centers. If you opposed communism and you were a capitalist or you felt that uh, that communism was wrong, they would send you to a re-education center in the Gulag or in Siberia. That's where you would go to get re-educated. So when someone tells me, Go get re-educated. I'm thinking about fascism. I'm thinking about people disappearing in the middle of the night to be re-educated and never reappearing. Because that's the only context I have for someone to be re-educated on a re-education plan. <sighs> Find resources. 
Don't put this off to members of a racialized community. Find ways to educate yourself because this is about you. It's about me. Oh yeah, I forgot because the first thing they said was that I'm a racist. So if I'm a racist, then of course it's about me. It's not about, it's not about them creating this whole context of, of people being racist. No, of, of, of calling everybody racist. I don't know if everybody should be insulted that, that, that the Quebec, uh, that the Ontario College of Teachers just called everybody a racist. All of Canada and every institution in Canada is racist. So I'm not sure if everybody should be insulted by that. But, you know, it's about you. It's not about them. It's not about anything else. It's only about you. Admit you're wrong and apologize. Even if there's no racialized intention, the impact is still there. So over the summer, we saw, we saw these images. I, I showed them on the show here. So if you look back in the archives, you can see them. These images of, uh, of white people bowing to, to, to random black people in the street and apologizing for being white. And this is essentially what the Ontario College of Teachers is telling their teachers to do. Apologize. Apologize for your whiteness. Apologize for your privilege. Apologize for being born in a way that you had no control over and living your life in a way that, that you live your life. Apologize. Because you're a racist. And then keep at it. It's a journey. It's not an event. You know, this is garbage. Total crap. Joining me now is Sheldon Eric Freed. He's my longtime producer on the show and a good friend. I appreciate him being here. Sheldon, welcome to the program. You're a racist, Sheldon. You're a racist. Uh, I, Just admit yeah, it. You're like a racist. It. My God. I've, I, I've been called that once. I've been called that once, and the person didn't even know the definition of the word racism anyway, so I take that with a grain of salt. But it's amazing how these... I, I just... Listening to what you said, and I'm wondering, who in God's name wrote this stuff? The name of the person that wrote this stuff. Not in terms of the Ontario College of Teachers, but who well, in they their published right it. Mind, Sheldon, they published it. Like, and so, I mean, and I can write anything I want. You can write anything you want, but you have to find someone who's going to publish it, right? They published yeah. it. But what were they thinking? What were they thinking well, they're that trying everybody's to, a racist? They're trying to train their teachers to know that everybody's a racist. All of Canada, everybody in Canada is a racist. You're a racist, I'm a racist, he's a racist, she's a racist. We're all racist too. Like and for people Pepper who want commercial. to be teachers, as if there's not a shortage of teachers enough, that's not gonna that's not gonna increase the gene pool for the teachers. Seriously, not at all. Not even a little bit. And and Ontario is the biggest province in Canada, like you said, the most populous province. Again, what in God's name were they thinking? It is actually really scary. I just scary. can't understand. You know, it's supposed to be of education of what you published and what you put on thoughts. And it's like the same thing. Once you publish it, you can't take it back. It's too late. It's done. But Sheldon, so you, realize that teachers, you realize that teachers are taking this and they're going into the classroom with this stuff. And they're teaching this to students. This is the, this is the official curriculum of the Ontario, you know, I know. Of teachers. And a lot of teachers obviously are not believing this stuff, but they have to do it in order to keep their job. So well, again, you want to keep your license? You got to keep the Ontario College of Teachers um, happy, right? Yeah. So I'm just wondering if you're if you were a teacher there, were teachers thinking, especially if it's against their better judgment of what the Ontario College of Teachers have written, are they thinking of going into some other profession? This is going to be a big, big key in terms of the of the teachers 
what they're going to wind up doing. Because a lot of these teachers obviously think this is all wet behind the ears, but of course they can't say anything because it is their employer. So they either accept it and having to force to go with the guidelines on the Ontario College of Teachers, or they have to find another line of work. It's it's preposterous. I think it's ridiculous. It's, it's complete garbage. If I would think it's in the middle of just for laughs, I would think it was it was the biggest joke in the world. I would never think. And I remember you and I were having a conversation earlier during the day. And when you told me this stuff, I couldn't believe it. It's amazing, isn't it? And when you uh, when you think about it, this is what they're teaching the children. This is what the future generation of children are learning. But, but it's not a big surprise, Shelton. It's it's really not a huge surprise. I mean. They, they just, um, the, you know, Dr. Seuss Foundation just stopped printing six Dr. Seuss books uh, because they feel that, that the morals and, the, uh, and, and some of the imagery that they posted, that they printed in the books that were written in the 1950s and 60s don't reflect the, um, the morality of today. So they, they pulled the imagery. So instead of, using as a, instead of using as a teaching tool, let's say some of it may have been a little, you know, racist. I don't know if it was or wasn't. probably wasn't. But uh, let's say it was. Um, you, instead of using it as a teaching tool, let's just erase it. Uh, t- Turner Classic Movies is talking about erasing you know, movies like Gone with the Wind and movies like um, Breakfast at Tiffany's because oh they goodness. may have, they may be insulting to certain minority groups. Um, you know, they, they're, they're now talking, the New York Times ran an article today where they were, t- where they were demanding that, um, that Warner Brothers pull the Pepe Le Pew um, Cartoons. Do you remember that skunk? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, he was in uh, love with the Bugs Bunny. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the skunk was love with the cat, and uh, he was he was pursuing the cat. Um, apparently, yep. apparently that promotes rape culture. So, so how oh. far do you how far do you push this stuff before it becomes a little ludicrous? Uh, well, Disney apparently is now pulling some of their classic uh, classic movies, like Mulan and I believe Pocahontas, because it's. Like when is this going to stop already? Like this is this is too much already. This is too too much. This has to stop because otherwise we're we're going to be in such a gutless society. It's basically anything that anybody stands for in terms of culture is going to be completely eradicated. Look, even forms now, as I was dis- as discussing now, a lot of forms are now. There's no such thing as a father and a mother anymore in terms of uh, father's first and first name. They're not going to ask that anymore. It's basically parent one's first name, parent two's first name. It's not going to make any, it's not going to define the sex, and it's not going to define whether or not the, the parent is a father or mother. When is this going to stop already? It, 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 seems, it seems almost ludicrous. I mean, if you want to live your life any way you want to live your life, nobody's going to stand in your way of, uh, of living your life the way you want to live your life. But how could you dictate to me how I'm going to live my life? Or what I'm going to believe, or what I'm going to be able to say or think—that that 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 really doesn't work for me. No, I uh, you should I, be, you I'm should pretty... be allowed as long as you don't break the law. You mind your business. You're kind to people, and like you said, your acceptance of all people. I'm accepting of all people. Isn't that the most important thing? Like, what is this about restrictions here, restrictions there? It's like you're literally—they're causing society is now causing people to now walk on eggshells. People don't do well when they walk on eggshells. No, they don't. A little while and ago, like, a little while ago, I what, said what? I said something on the show here that uh, that people were um, were a little upset about, and I got a whole bunch of letters. Uh, I actually read them on the show. 
got a whole bunch of letters demanding that that the that True Talk Radio, we, True Talk Radio, got a whole bunch of letters demanding that they cancel the show. Um, you know, people are nuts. If I don't agree with you, I, you have to cancel. You can't talk anymore. Uh, and 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 we live in a free society. This doesn't sound too free to me, Sheldon. Well, this is the thing too with private media, right? Like in private media, if somebody says something like their own viewpoint, but it's not like a racially motivated thing, but let's say an opinion. So if they're left wing or right wing, and let's say uh, people complain about it, then they go to the advertisers and advertisers could wind up pulling shows. Shows have been pulled. Shows on private broadcasting outlets have been pulled because of viewpoints and non, not even saying a racial uh, biased viewpoint, but just a personal opinion. So a personal opinion for editorialists on the radio, I, I would be careful if I was an editorialist on radio. Well, you, we're not going to be pulled from True Talk Radio. I can guarantee that. No, no. I, well, so considering that's, that's the fact that not you happen. own the True, Ch- True right. Talk Radio. So that's a thing, too. This is another thing. This person wants True Talk Radio to, to fire Howie Silberger. That's basically saying, well... If you're going to do that, then you're going to pull the plug on True Talk Radio, which you're not going to do. No, it's not. So it's like, so it's, you know, we're not being racist in our opinions, but people have to stop with the eggshells and have to stop being everything being politically correct. Because I'm afraid if you sneeze, if you sneeze the wrong way, I mean, what is going on here? This, This has to change. We have to focus on change. Earlier this week, Sheldon, I was uh, having a Facebook discussion, as I often do, a very heated political discussion, which I often do on Facebook. And, um, and uh, I, was, I was talking to a radical lefty who had mentioned something about uh, Congressman Eric Swalwell. Uh, of course, Eric Swalwell, the congressman, um, is, is right now currently in a huge scandal uh, because he was sleeping with a Chinese spy, a spy from China, a Chinese spy, and um, and so I mentioned that he was sleeping. That you know maybe his girlfriend, a Chinese spy, could, has an opinion on this. Whatever we were talking about, and the guy called me a racist, and I said to him, "What do you mean I'm a racist? I, I don't understand." And, and he said, "Well, you called her Chinese. Well, she's from China. What else am I going to call her? I mean, it's just gotten to the point where you can't even have a normal conversation anymore." before somebody jumps on you and calls you a racist. Now, now, let, let me back up for a second because lefties tend to call you a racist when they run out of arguments. And if you beat them in an argument, they, they tend to call you a racist or a white supremacist or a, or a hater. Uh, this, is, this is their default. This is the default insult they throw at you. Uh, it's unfortunate because by them using these words so often, it, it dilutes the power of these words. I remember when I was a kid, the worst thing you could call someone was a racist. That was the worst thing you could call someone. You're a racist? Oh, my God. How could you call me? The person would be hurt for weeks and weeks and weeks that you called them a racist. Today, they throw it out like it's candy, the word. But when I was a kid, if you called somebody a racist, that was the worst thing you could possibly say to them. Mm-hmm. And, definitely. And, definitely. And, and so I don't know why we do this. And, you know, Jewish people are... are, are or is guilty by calling everyone anti-Semitic. I mean, it, you know, it, it seems to be a default thing where people who feel threatened, who feel that they've lost an argument, who feel anything, just suddenly default to throwing out these words that have that have huge, huge history behind them and huge meaning behind them. 
but they throw them out so often that whatever whatever meaning was behind them has been diluted to a point where where it's kind of meaningless when somebody calls you a racist. It's kind of sad, but it's absolutely meaningless. It doesn't bother me at all when somebody calls me a racist. And, and it should bother me because the word racist means something. Because it's overused and the thing is we now have this desensitized where before we used to be sensitized when we, when somebody would hurl that 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 definition or that word to us. But now because it's being used so often, it's being oversaturated. And that's exactly what the problem is, that they're using that. And right away, it's like, you're racist, you're racist, you're racist, you're racist. And it's like, even on Facebook anymore, you can't even have any kind of, like you said on your political uh, columns, you can't even have a decent viewpoint because people start calling you names. People start character assassinating you, you and your family. Even when, when people are talking about running for politics, it's not about the issues anymore. It's about who can insult more. So it's the same thing as racist. You know, when I, can... um, when, I, uh, when I have arguments on Facebook, and it happens almost on a daily basis, uh, I always find, and you know, I taught debate for many years in high school. And when I taught debate, it was always the same thing. It was the same thing as these Facebook arguments. Um, you, you found that when you got to a point in the argument where the person has either bested you or you've bested the person, uh, they, they tend to, people tend to, um, to, to just automatically default to a personal insult. So the second that somebody insults you, you know that you've won the argument. The argument's pretty much over. There's, there's no point in continuing. Uh, when the guy called me a racist, I said, okay, so thank you very much. The argument's over. There's nothing left to say. Once you call me a racist, there's nothing I can answer you. There's no way I could defend myself from that charge. I'm not a racist. It's obvious if you read the uh, conversation, I didn't say anything racist in the conversation. I didn't, uh, I've never, I mean, nobody's, nobody's ever been said to me, you're a racist and actually meant it because I, I'm I have never exposed any racist, any racist thought in my life. I mean, this is not something I do. But at the same time, at the same time, what that person is hoping is that somebody's just skimming the article and says, you're a racist. Oh, he's a racist. So we don't have to read his point of view. So they may have lost the argument, but they're hoping that by calling me a racist or by calling you a racist or, or by throwing out some kind of epitaph at you and me, uh, that the person skimming the article or skimming the conversation won't read what that person has said because, well, why should I read what a racist has to think? And that, that's, the, that's the philosophy. That's the, that's the idea behind it. It's a stupid idea. It's a dumb idea. It waters down the word racism. It waters down the, uh, the, the impact of using the words. It's like when everyone calls everybody Hitler. It drives me crazy. Right? Trump is Hitler. Oh, yeah. Bush is Hitler. This guy's Hitler. That guy's Hitler. Everybody's Hitler. Uh, when, when they start calling everybody Hitler... It minimizes the evilness of the Holocaust. Then suddenly, suddenly the Holocaust isn't as scary and as horrible and as horrific as it was um, in people's minds. Because if you're going to compare Donald Trump or George W. Bush or George H.W. Bush to Hitler, which they did, or Ronald Reagan to Hitler, which he was, if you're going to compare that, then you are at a point then you're at a point where you're saying, all right, well, Hitler, Hitler murdered a whole bunch of people. Reagan didn't. So if Reagan is Hitler, then you know, Hitler wasn't all that bad, right? Mm. So, I mean, it is, it's really sad. And then how do you teach the next generation? How do you teach the young ones? 
that the evilness of the Holocaust and the evilness of Hitler and the evilness of it all, when you, when you, when, when you've minimized evilness. So, so when I tell a 12-year-old, look, you know, Hitler was a horrible person. This is what he did. He wrote a book saying that he wants to do this and he carried out his, his plan. You know, t- 10 years later, he carried out his plan. And the kid said, well, Donald Trump is Hitler and, uh, you know, he was okay. He didn't kill anybody. So suddenly the evilness of Hitler, when you make the correlation with somebody who's not evil, then suddenly the evilness of the, uh, of the original is, uh, is minimized. It's watered down. It's diluted. And when you start diluting evilness and you start diluting that, you are disrespecting the memory of the victims of that evilness. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what's happening. And it's, it's very sad and it's very scary. And it, it, it pretty much, it drives me, it drives me insane, really. I, I, I agree with the oversaturation that it, it's basically diluting everything. And then it's one thing if a person is racist and a person has done something horribly wrong like, like Hitler, and that's one thing. But if everybody says, well, so-and-so right away, they put Hitler in as part of a sentence and using it for everyday conversation uh, to say that this person, this president, this president's Hitler, this person's Hitler, I'm Hitler, you're Hitler, other people are Hitler. I mean, that's too much. Just because they don't agree with you, they don't shouldn't oversaturate a definition Look, that's, not true, you, that's not true to form. You could abhor everything that Donald Trump did during his presidency. You could abhor everything that Ronald Reagan and Jordan, both George Bushes did during their presidencies. But that doesn't equate them with the most evil regime in the history. Oh, yeah, for in, sure. In I, I, I never, as much as I disagreed about certain things that Trump did, and I said certain things, not all things, I never once ever thought about calling him Hitler. No, because it's ridiculous. You never, you never uh, people that I know that hate Trump and that are friends of mine on Facebook, they never called him Hitler. It's absolutely, it's, it's insane. That's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I mean, he, he didn't. He didn't take. He didn't take six million Jews and put them in an oven. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. He didn't build factories to uh, to murder people. I mean, yeah, that, that, he, that's didn't, the he didn't. He, he didn't massacre. He didn't go and start putting uh, tear gas. Uh, not tear gas. Uh, Cyclone B. Which, yeah, exactly. And and completely in Washington Square or any other part of Washington D.C. killed thousands of people. No, no, he, he didn't. He didn't do that. So, I mean, so the comparison, again, is dumb. it's a dumb comparison. Yeah, so, so people have to stop taking something really out of context because that's essentially what it is. But it's all They're taken calling, out of context, Sheldon. They're taking, yeah, I know the entire thing because it's political correctness is equaling that and it's too much. It's like almost affirmative action the other way around when it comes to definition. And it's that's not right. That That's not it has to be an equal balance based on the specifics of a certain situation whereby that term is used. Well, it's the difference between equity and equality. That's that's where it comes down to, Sheldon. Yeah, so, exactly. So equity is good when you have three kids standing at a, uh, at a fence and you want them all to be able to see over the fence and you get them each a different size box. Equity is excellent in that situation. But equity is not so great when you talk about race relations. In race relations, it should be equality. Everybody should be treated equally. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody should be treated equally because everybody should have the exact same, exact, exact same um, opportunity to get ahead. Now, equity takes that away. Equity gives some people a greater chance of getting ahead than other people. Like, like you mentioned, affirmative action. 
that that those kind of equity, um, those kind of equity programs, give other people an advantage over give people an advantage over another other people, and when you do that, then then that is that is racism at its core, isn't it? Um, yeah, because if you're going from one side to the other with the scale and the same extreme, racism. it has to be in the middle. Yes. That's how the weights have to be. It's the exact same racism. It's... If I tell you that I'm hiring you because you're a black person, or I tell you I'm hiring you because you're a white person, the fact that I'm hiring you because of the color of your skin is racist. If that's discrimination. It's yeah. discrimination. That's that's racism. Uh, if I tell you that I'm not hiring you because you're not qualified for the job, and I'm hiring him because he is qualified for the job, and I look at your CVs, uh, your, your your resumes, and I see I see that one resume you have fifty years of experience, another resume you have four years of experience, and it's not even experience in the job that I'm asking you to do. Um, and I hire one person over the other. That's hiring you over qualifications. You both had an equal chance of getting the job, and if you were both equally, if you were both equally qualified, then you both had an equal chance of getting that job. Mm-hmm. But if one person was more qualified than the other person, well, then I have the right to hire you. You know, the more qualified person. It's my business. I have to hire the most qualified people for my business, right? So that's called equality. Equity in that case would be, I have a quota of uh, how many Asian people you have to hire. I have a quota of how many Jewish people you have to hire. And there's a quota of how many black people you have to hire. And there's a quota of how many this people and that people, right? That's not not equality. No, that's tipping the scales way on the other side. And it has to be, the weights have to be easily distributed in the middle based on criteria in terms of qualifications, like you mentioned, qualifications, not in terms of skin color or religion or anything else. If the person's the right person to do the job, that's who you hire. I, uh, I remember years ago uh, when Barack Obama was running for president the first time. So was that 2008 when he ran for the first presidency? Um, we, um, we, we did a show. We did a show on uh, election night and we called around on election night and we asked uh, people uh, right across the United States, we had somebody set it up for us uh, in the States, and we asked people in the States, uh, who did you vote for and why did you vote for them? And the majority of people that, a- that answered the question told me, uh, we voted for Obama, and we voted for him because it was time for America to have a first black president. And I kept asking them. I asked them all the same question. It was exactly the same question I asked everybody. I said, if you voted for him because he was black and it was time for America to have the first black president, does that make you a racist? And I said, no, we voted for him because we're not racist. I said, but you didn't vote against the, you didn't vote for the other guy because he's white. So if you exclude the vote because he's white and you voted the other one guy because he's black, does that not make you a racist? And that was, that was the question I kept asking. And, you know, nobody wanted to admit the fact they were racists, except for the Quebec College, the Ontario College of Teachers who calls everybody racist. But um, nobody wanted to admit that they were racist. But, but that is the truth, isn't it? That, um, or if, you or vote if they voted person, for Obama, they voted for, let's say, uh, they voted for the issues that he represented, then that's that's a different story. Well, if somebody would have told me that, Shelton, then I would have I would have said, okay, great. At least you understood. At least you understood the policies he stood behind, and you voted for him for his policies. But if you tell me that you voted for Obama because you want to see the first black president, that is inherently racist. Mm-hmm. The same way saying that I voted for John McCain because I didn't want to vote for Obama because I didn't want to vote a black into presidency. It's the exact same thing. Exactly. So, so what's the difference between one and the other? It, it comes out to the same thing at the end. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Without question. This is what society has to has to base everything all on qualifications, issues, and balance. Balance is very important. 
And balance also keeps people in the proper perspective that if you are going to call somebody a racist, it, it, it had better be to the perfect definition that this person has caused horrific crimes based on a person's religion or color or anything, anything else. And that's what people are not doing anymore. People right away, like you said, they run out of things to say in a particular argument between two, part, two, two people. And right away, they call you a racist because they feel that they cannot come up with anything else and they want to have the last word in. But the last word means nothing. No, it really doesn't. And, uh, and, and what happens is you further divide society that way. Yeah. And suddenly, when everybody's a racist, you've, you've divided society in a way that, uh, that's, that's unacceptable. And you continue to divide society. So you want to, um, if you want to create a society where people accept each other, where everybody, uh, everybody accepts each other and everybody's happy and everybody, everybody gets along, you can't keep pushing the race card. When you keep no. pushing the race card, you're continually dividing society. And when you continually divide society, you're never, ever, ever going to have a, a happy society. You're never going to have a society that, that runs well. You're never going to have a, you're never going to have a world that lives at peace. No, it's going to be, be it's going to be war because how many wars are fought just on the based on the color of your skin or religion? Well, society is going to collapse if if people don't have the freedom of uh, of speech. And people don't have the freedom to of thought. And people don't have the freedom to express themselves in any way they feel that they have to express themselves within reason. Of course, I mean, you know, uh, hate speech and violent speech should always be banned. But um, if, um, if people don't have the, the right to, to publish books that challenge the orthodoxy of the current population, of the current, uh, the current trend, uh, then, then you don't really have a free society anymore. Then you are living in, a, in some kind of... A, intellectual dictatorship and mm -hmm. when you live in an intellectual dictatorship i mean how far is it to 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 live in a physical dictatorship i mean we're already there think about curfews and think about uh, all these covid regulations we're already in a physical dictatorship but we got here because we've already released our our, our rights and our freedoms when it came to intellectual when it came to our intellectual freedoms so so you know the more you release your freedoms the the harder it's going to get to get them back much harder yeah. So, you know, when we look at the uh, COVID case, and I'm going to use that as the example because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a perfect case. Uh, we've been here in Quebec, we've been under curfew for, um, what, for, for a month now or a little more than a month now. And, um, and now that the vaccine has, um, the vaccine is, is starting to be distributed uh, massively among the population. And, uh, and, and COVID deaths in the last week have been down to, I think it was four deaths last week uh, for COVID in Quebec, in all of Quebec, 8 million people, four deaths. And the government just came out the other day and said, hey, listen, you're going to stay in the curfew again because now there are um, variants of this disease and maybe the variants will become dangerous. So we're going to keep you in curfew. Well, well one second, oh. one second. But what they, what they did was, though, they put the rest of the province in the orange zone, which means the curfew was, would be 9.30 or 10 o'clock, but kept Montreal, who didn't vote for the party, and other situational revolving language to still keep Montreal red zone and to, to have the curfew at eight o'clock but what was that there shouldn't be a curfew anymore anyway when i the know deaths, that when the deaths are down to single digits and the hospitalizations are down to double digits there should not be a curfew anymore but they're going to keep us in curfew in prepare forever uh only because they can because I would, we allow I would them think, to I, I would think we'll probably be in the curfew till almost late spring summer 
because they because we allow them to. And this is what it comes down to. When we give up our freedoms and we give up our rights, we end up we end up being oppressed. And now we are being oppressed. That that's really what's happening. We're we're it's an oppression. It's scary. I know it's scary. It's sad. It's scary, and it's 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 crazy. But that's what's happening, Sheldon. It's very scary because before we used to go out like nobody's business at night or whatever the case is. Look at just for laughs. We used to go downtown, take in the shows, and walk around. Go to the bar, meet with the comedians, talk to the comedians. We can't do that anymore. Like even if it would be now, and who even knows what's going to happen in the summertime if we're going to be able to do that? If we'll be allowed to do that, be able to go out? We it's almost like martial. It's ridiculous. It's almost like uh, you know, feeling synagogues, like synagogues have been closed down and, and churches have been closed down for, for months and months and months. It's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy because there's no there's no there's no valid reason for it, and that's why it's crazy. And now that the um, and now that the vaccine is being is being distributed amongst everyone, and in a week they're going to be down to what sixty year olds. So yeah. That's 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 more than that's more than a, a quarter of the population, and uh, we really should not be under curfew anymore. We really should not be uh, we should really should not be being, being oppressed anymore. But we are. That's, Plus, that's a fourth vaccine's been approved, so we have four vaccines that are now coming into the country. Okay, Sheldon, you got a message. Uh, Frank says, Sheldon, the Laurentides area voted block and remains red. So oh, okay. So he's nitpicking on something that you said. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So you stand uh, corrected, uh, Sheldon. You stand corrected. I stand corrected. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank yep. you. Uh, if you want to call in, by the way, number to call, one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 Coming up after 8.30, we'll be, uh, we'll be joining, uh, well, he'll be joining us. Dino Mazzoni will be joining us after 8.30. Uh, at 8.30, we'll go to a break and so we can hook Dino up and, uh, and, and get everything going. Um, Sheldon here, Sheldon Fried is with me right now. And you could call in one 669 1292 The question we're asking the question we're discussing is, has political correctness and leftyism gone a little too far? Uh, do you think that, um, that society is better or worse with the, um, with the kind of, uh, of, of changes that we're seeing? Uh, for instance, the banning of the Dr. Seuss books, the removal of certain movies, the, the, the censoring of society. Do you think that's, that's right? Do you think that that's something that we should be uh, encouraging? Or do you think that, that this is the beginning of the end? Uh, I, I, I believe it's the beginning of the end. I think that we should be able to express ourselves. And people who don't agree with something or people who find something offensive, you know what? You don't have to watch it. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to rent it. You don't have to look at it. You never have to see it. You could choose not to see it. But, but people are running around now and actually actively looking to nitpick different um, to nitpick words and, 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 and images and different historical movies and books and whatever just so they can nitpick and say we have to cancel this. Cancel culture has gone crazy. Uh, do you agree? Do you disagree? one 669 is the number. one 669 1292 Sheldon, do you think we should have uh, vaccination passports for, uh, to be able to do anything? That's Frank's question. I, I think that's the that's the way. Well, certain governments have already done that around the world. So I, I so far it has not been anything mentioned in the United States. But a lot of countries, what they're doing is 
once the travel comes back in the travel industry, I would not be surprised if a lot of countries are going to start asking for that now. Well, I, th- I think it's a smart idea. I mean, people yeah. who don't want to vax, uh, people who don't want to get vaccinations, and there are, there's a group of people who, who feel that vaccinations uh, are, are not for them. And that's fine. You should have the right not to be vaccinated. That's, that's your prerogative. But those people should, uh, should, should not be able to get on a plane with people who are vaccinated. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking, too, because a lot of, a lot of countries will say, we don't want to take a chance of somebody carrying the COVID-19 or the variant thereof. Because you got to remember, you know, somebody once asked me, said, hey, if you're vaccinated, what do you care if I'm not? And my answer always was, I don't care because I'm vaccinated. But there are people who can't take the vaccinations. They, 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 they can't do it for various health reasons, for various yeah. health purposes. They can't take the vaccination. And those people are the people we have to protect. They don't choose not to take it. You're making a conscious choice not to take it, but they don't choose not to take it. They can't physically take it. Yeah. And so the people who can't physically take it have to be protected from idiots like you who don't want to take it. And that's the one I answered them. I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's really the answer. You know, people who choose not to take vaccination um, are putting everybody else in danger. Well, so far there hasn't been any major, like, humongous side effects. I mean, except if you have a lot of different allergies or something like that. Um, well, I know they do. Everyone, act, reacts, they, everyone reacts differently to them. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, like every other vaccine. I mean, most cases what I've heard was uh, in the arm, in the area where you, the injection site, the arm is a little sensitive or whatever. So you take a couple of Tylenols, take a couple of aspirin, and and, and, that, and that's it. Uh, very few people have had other major things. Uh, some have had upset stomachs and headaches and whatever. And that, that was basically, we haven't heard anything. And I think that's what a lot of people were scared about too. Yeah. And I, I, and I, but now it's been proven. There's now four different companies that have now have gotten the approval and now are able to, uh, and now are distributing the vaccines. And so far there's not been any major side effects and I think if, if people are if people are able to take it and are able to get the vaccine, then they should get the vaccine and they, and they shouldn't hesitate because there hasn't been any major hospitalizations because of the vaccine. There's been hospitalizations because of COVID-19, but not uh, necessarily the vaccine. And if it is, it's a minuscule of the population. Well, I really so, believe that everybody should be vaccinated, Sheldon. I, I, I think that if you can take it, you have the opportunity to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Uh, the more of us that get vaccinated, the quicker we get to go well, back. Well, yeah, to our that's it. Because then, that. see, that would be the herd immunity yeah. versus having people that were not vaccinated to all be together, is because that's wrong, because there was no safeguards against COVID 19. But if the vaccines have a high, uh, you know, have a, uh, a high degree of, battling the infection then that's fine and then you have other people that are vaccinated a, um, and they get together a, then a that's study fine. Out, a study out of israel just came out today saying that uh, their study of the pfizer vaccine shows that not only does it protect you against covid but it stops you from spreading covid so there you good. go all right sheldon we're going to take a little break it is uh, is day 27 so we'll take a little break uh when we come back we'll be joined by dino mansoni uh, so stick around. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Uh, I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back. Hey. 
And I'm Howie Silberger, your host here on the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for being here with me. I do appreciate you uh, you joining me here on the show, and I'm happy to be here with you. Uh, on Wednesday, a, a gentleman will be speaking at the Knights of Pythias. He'll be speaking through Zoom. And uh, his topic is, uh, is about a, um, a show that will be appearing right here on True Talk Radio. I'm, I'm happy to welcome uh, Dino Mazzoni and uh, Sheldon Fried still here. I'm happy to welcome Dino Mazzoni to the show. Hi, Dino. Hey, and, and, and hey, welcome, welcome hey, to Dino. not only to the show, but welcome to True Talk Radio. Absolutely. Welcome to the family. Exactly. <laughs> La familia is getting bigger. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I'm really happy about this because uh, I here. know the show is going to be amazing. Uh, it will be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do something different. Like, uh, obviously, I do a legal segment during the, the weekends and whatnot on conventional radio. But I wanted to do something that was would really highlight uh, really a little bit more of my personality in terms of uh, my my varied interests. I don't just like talking about law or politics. I mean, those those are fun and I could do them every day of the week. But I want to talk about sports and, and art and entertainment and finance and so i want to just and i want to just dig into like personalities and people that we may know or certainly have heard the names and and get into some of that and show a little bit of the versatility on my end so yeah so it's gonna be fun so it's called sidebar and we're doing it here on true talk radio and we're gonna start in april and uh i guess i can you know can we announce that howard like uh, like the first guest that i'm gonna have is gonna be tommy schnurmacher whoa amazing yeah so that, oh, that, wow. should be, that should be fun. Yeah. He's a little familiar. I think he's a little familiar. I worked with him, what, 17, 18 years? Yeah, he's a little familiar. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. And, and I have to tell you, he's a mensch because what it, I mean, I literally had a, a wish list in my mind of people I wanted to ask. And he was literally the first person on, on my list. And I said, look, I'm going to write to him. And, I, you know, he'll probably be polite and say, look, I'm, you know, I don't really do that. Or I, thanks, but I'm not really, you know, I don't get into that type of stuff. And literally within, I would say an hour he wrote back to me and said, sure, just tell me the date. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like, I mean, just boom, without any question, you know, yeah. so that real match. Amazing. I'm, uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to, I'm looking forward to that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> I've never, you know, I don't, I, I, I almost get the sense that what's going to happen is I'm going to want to be uh, interviewing Tommy and <laughs> may turn around the other way. So who knows? <laughs> we'll see where it goes. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll be fun to watch. However, however it uh, manages to to work its way out, uh, it'll be fun to watch. Well, well, that's the other thing too, right? So I want to keep like a clock. So for example, like it's live. Yeah. So there's no kind of like, you know, no editing, no nothing. We just jump out of the plane and hope that the shoot opens up. And uh, <laughs> it's just going to like really go for like an hour, right? And, and so whatever happens, it's conversational. It's meant to just be two guys, like kind of just shooting the you know the breeze between each other and uh, see where it goes and I and I and I want that free flow and I want that kind of like freedom to do that so it should be pretty cool well with your personality and everything and Tommy's personality it's going to be it'll go by like that so fast it's I hope so I hope so and, and you know the key is like and what, what's stressing me out a little bit about it is that I want to be able to ask the questions that you know I mean certainly he's probably given an answer to but a little bit more nuanced and to see whether I can get into a bit a bit more of who the man is and uh yeah so we'll see it's gonna be fun i'm really you know what i think i'm gonna do is i have a little surprise for tommy and i'll, I'll share the surprise uh oh actually i'm gonna save the surprise for oh good both of you. i want to be surprised there will be a physical prop at the very beginning that i'm sure tommy will appreciate we'll leave it at that all right cool 
Looking forward to it. Okay. So tell us about tell us about your speech at Night Epiphius this week on Wednesday. Yeah. So so this is interesting. I was I you know it's it's the first time I've ever spoken to this group. Uh, Brian Bloomer reached out to me. Really nice guy. We we know each other through Facebook and whatnot. And uh, he reached out and said, "Listen, would you be willing to want to talk to this group about politics, about your radio program that you're doing on True Talk Radio?" Uh, and I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" And so I'm I'm really honored that they've asked me. I'm hoping that we'll have a good turnout. Um, it's going to be question and answer. You know, we'll certainly talk about law. We'll talk about politics and uh, certainly the next federal election coming around the bed, uh, the uh, municipal election. I mean, this is a big year for elections in, in, in Canada and Montreal. So it's going to be very interesting. So I'm sure a lot of that will be coming to the forefront of the conversation. But uh, yeah, so Brian reached out to me. I'm really thrilled to want to do it. And again, similar to to what I want to do with Sidebar is I just want to kind of go in there. I have some talking points in terms of what I want to try to make sure I get out, but it's going to be free flowing and I'm hopefully participatory with the people who join on the Zoom call. So if you want to get in, uh, you certainly can do so. If you go to the Knights of Pythias um, website, uh, you will certainly see a referencing to this event and a Zoom uh, invite that you can actually attend. And I believe it's this uh, Wednesday night at 7.30. I hope I didn't screw up the time, but I think it's that time. (laughs) Uh, Dino, we have a a question from uh, Facebook. Frank wants to know some of your background. It's the first time he's ever heard of you. Oh, well, Frank, thank you. Uh, well, I'm I'm a lawyer by profession. I'm a McGill graduate. I live in Montreal West. I'm a city councillor here. And, um, you know, I'm on radio. I've been on radio uh, on CJD for the last 22 years. That's my Sunday thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big political. I'm a conservative, both capital C, C both small C, and uh, very proud to say that and uh, to advocate for that. And, um, yeah, that's a little bit of my, ba- my background. I'm a father of three kids, the most amazing three boys in the world, married to my wife, Barbara. And uh, there you go in a nutshell. And a big, big, by the way, Miami Dolphins and Montreal Alouettes fans. So. All right. So uh, we lost Sheldon, but he, he just came back. So the, Sheldon's back. So, so the picture. Yeah, I had a momentarily momentary power failure. All right. Which, so, so those of you watching, the picture is a little strange. So I'm, I'm just going to transfer the picture here to this for now. And then we'll, we'll go back to the uh, to the other one in a second. Because, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so Dino's been around for a long time. He's been, he was on CJ. He's a commentator on CJD. He's been there for what, 23 years? 22 years. It's funny because when uh, Lori Batito was unfortunately let go by CJD, I actually, I, I think I'm correct in this. I think I'm actually the longest voice that's been on air on CJD uninterrupted. So, well, well, well I think when you started working there, um, I think I was, I, I was working. You were, you were coming in with the Dave Fisher show because I was working on weekends. Absolutely, yeah. And when you came in, we just hit it off because it was like you were a marvelous personality and it's just a great. And we're so glad that you're doing the show here. Glad that you're going to be at the Night of Pythias on Wednesday. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Like, uh, just we've known each other for at least that that long. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you something, Sheldon. You're you're a warm person. You're a very warm person. So it's easy to connect and and Thank meet you. up with somebody like yourself. And just uh, and and how he's been generous with this platform and wanting me to come on and join the team here. And it's going to be fun. I I think. We're going to see a lot more of radio personalities out there wanting to come on True Talk Radio. I, I said this to, to Howie in private, if you don't mind, Howie, that I, I mentioned this, but sure. I do truly believe that we're going to see a lot more people come on board. Um, you know, conventional radio, and look, I'm not going to knock it. Uh, it's It certainly has a place, but it's become so uh, controlled by mega corporations now that, yeah. that, that the, the intimacy of the people in radio 
is is been forgotten you know like i don't know if there's a true understanding on the part of the guy or the girl who's making decisions on, on the bottom line as to what some of these people on there mean to a lot of people out there in Montreal. People have these connections. And so when you take away those personalities, when you take away, you know, uh, the people behind the board, such as yourself, Sheldon, who, by the way, became part of the conversation on Everyday Radio. I mean, and I want to thank Sheldon Freed behind, you know, I mean, that everybody knew that, right? So when you start taking away those personalities and you almost make them interchangeable with other people, I, I think your people, I think that, the corporation is going to lose in the long run. I don't think that that really is a good formula. Again, you know, God bless Bell. They make money. Uh, they certainly are. They have their shareholders that they're accountable to. And I and I don't want to kick a gift horse in the mouth. I enjoy doing what I do at CJD. But there's something lost in that. And I think that I, I hope that there's going to be a platform for, and I think True Talk Radio can certainly be that platform for people who want to get on there. You know, I worked, I worked in commercial radio for 11 years. And then I um, I hosted a show on another commercial radio station that wasn't corporate run for uh, 16 years. I don't seem that old, but I'm really not that old, but it was all concurrent. It all happened all at the same time. <laughs> Everyone looks at me like I'm crazy. I worked here 10 years, there 15 years, 20 years, and and like I'm I'm, I'm only 45, right? So I'm 46. Uh, so so people think I'm nuts, but uh, but the truth is that I did all this, and um, and and. Uh, I had True Talk Radio since 2004, so we've been around a long, long time. And I started True Talk Radio because commercial radio didn't allow me the outlet. They wouldn't give me the break. I was there. I was active. I was talented. They knew me. They knew I was talented. They just refused to give me the break because I wasn't yeah. part of the old boys club. And, uh, and so I never got the break. I never got the, I never got the chance. They gave me one overnight show in 11 years. I was, I was able to host one overnight, three hours in 11 years. Crazy. So, um, so I, I went on, to, so I, I started True Talk Radio because I said, you know what? Uh, it's an outlet. I'll, I'll have a listenership. I mean, it may not be as big as CJD's listenership. It might not be as big as, uh, as the team's listenership or any of the other radio stations. But it's a listenership. Uh, we have some loyal listeners. We have, uh, we have a couple of thousand people who watch, who, who watch and listen to the show every month, every week. So, I mean... I said, why not? Let's let's do this. And yeah. what do I have to lose? Now we're we're what it was two thousand and four, so it's sixteen, seventeen years later, and we're still here. Many yeah. of the other we were the third, we were the second internet radio station to to register uh, when they started internet radio. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. And, and we're still around. The other two are the other one's not around anymore. We're still around. Uh, right. But we don't get the credit for being a pioneer because, you know, that's the way it works, right? So, um, I'll tell you something, you know, sometimes, um, you, you know, you, you, you'll be able to have that uh, line where you see you're an overnight success. It took you 16, 17 years, yeah. but you're, you know, I mean, sometimes that's what happens, right? Like you, you, you were almost ahead of the technology and the medium in some ways, Howie. You know, like, I, you know I started this, we, we still had dial-up internet. I had a dedicated, oh, I had a dedicated dial line. I was paying... I was paying about uh, I was paying like forty cents a a, a kilobyte to broadcast, <laughs> oh and my we were gosh. broadcasting twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. It was a fortune of money. I was working essentially; wow. my entire paycheck was going to pay for this, right? I, you know, that's, but isn't that a testament to your love for for the medium? I mean, I think that's amazing. That you put your hand in your own pocket to do that—that that, that says a lot. That uh, really it's amazing. It's amazing about the scope of the industry because when I first started out, and I've been in the business for thirty years, and people really came in, and it was passion. You came up with your own ideas. You made you made 
you made things happen on yourself. You didn't need somebody to come and always tell you, do this, do that, do that, right. do this. Right. And when I first started radio uh, at CJD back in 1989, I was given that. I was given that uh, working with the announcers. It wasn't that uh, there was no social media. And we all did everything because we wanted to. And it was really good radio. And the thing is, a lot of things on, on private radio, uh, terrestrial radio, is the fact now it's ratings and now it's clips and now it's branding and now it's branding and it's it doesn't and any big company is exactly working that way and that's one of the big advantages of having a radio station like True Talk Radio is we could do our own thing and we and do we, could we do love crazy what we do and we have the passion to do it Absolutely. and it's like radio of and, and that's well, exactly it. I will tell you a little a little secret. I think one of the reasons that I've lasted as long as I have on CJD is I chose back in 1999 when I had the opportunity to not take a dollar and I have not been paid for 22 years. And so the reason I did that was because there was some sense that perhaps I would lose a little bit of the content control and the freedom to do what I wanted and to speak my mind in the way I wanted to. And so that was the trade-off. And literally I have artistic freedom to do what I want. I That's fantastic. Nobody ever tells me in advance what to talk about. Um, and so I think that was the, the secret. And frankly, you know what? I've been fortunate enough with my legal job. You know, I, I, I'm a partner in my own law firm, but I've been working on my life as a lawyer in some capacity or other that I didn't really need that to kind of supplement my income. So I was, I was fortunate. I was blessed. And so as a result, I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to be able to do this in the way I wanted to. So, you know, that, that is, I think a, a big part of the reason why I think I still am on radio. I would hope that, you know, uh, I'm interesting enough. Certainly Ken, uh, felt. Uh, strong enough about keeping certain of the segments from the holdover from Dave when Dave retired. But um, yeah, so, you know, but I think that is important. That's why I go to Howie's point of like when he's supplementing, you know, paying for True Talk Radio in the early days. I mean, that's a, that says it all. I mean, it says it all. I mean, what more do you want to hear, you know? So good for you. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still paying for it. It's not an exchange. <laughs> 17 years later, it's still coming out of my salary. Not 40 cents a kilobyte, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's changed. I, I really thank God when, when broadband came around. <laughs> like, thank God. Um, uh, but, but, I mean, I don't mind paying for it. And, I, and you know, people who do shows on, on True Talk, I've never, ever demanded... Or never ever told them what to do or what not to do. I've always given everyone the. I've always given everybody, and there's been quite a few shows over the years that have produced yeah. for True Talk. I've always given everybody the creative freedom. I always feel that if you give people the creative freedom, you allow them to do what they do best. Uh, you're going to have good programming. I, it doesn't matter. You know, you're you're trusting people with the time, and you're trusting people with the uh, you know, with the platform. And if you you give people the trust, and people have that expertise, and they and they're passionate about what they're doing, they're never going to be wrong. It's going to be always be a good show. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, radio teaches you a lot, and it teaches you one thing. At least in my mind, I remember a conversation with Dave Fisher. It teaches you that if you're not passionate about something, it really does come across on the other end of the spectrum. So, like, Absolutely. if you're, you know what I'm saying, Sheldon? Like, you know, some of these, and I won't mention them, but some announcers or some some on air talent who would kind of quote go through the motions and you just know it and right. they're they're doing a topic because they got to fill the half hour or hour and they're not passionate about it and it shows on the other end. So when you're passionate, and frankly, I mean, I've listened to some segments on radio 
that I've absolutely had no interest in listening or learning about like, I don't know, you know, car mechanics or, 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 or finance or whatnot, certain specific topics. But because the person was so passionate, I was like, hmm, let me see what they have to say. So that's important. You know, Dave Fisher once said to me, because I, you see, I, I gesticulate and I'm, I'm always, I'm Italian, right? And one of the things <laughs> he said to me is, it, when we did the show, he said, by the way, I love when you do that. He said, and this was off air after we did this segment, he said, smile because the listener can li they, they can Absolutely. see they can hear and the I smile yeah such a really cool thing you know i said you know he's right and so when you're passionate and you're engaged and, and i'm flailing and whatever believe me it comes across on radio you know yeah. so yeah people and, people and you know what you smile. sound excited you sound really excited you sound like i i see the smile and if i didn't see you i would still i would feel it absolutely <laughs> So, so Dino, we were talking a couple of minutes ago about um, lefty lunacy, the uh, the craziness oh. of the left. Um, uh, I, I was I was telling Sheldon, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but I was telling Sheldon about um, about uh, the Ontario uh, College of Teachers, which is the certifying body in Ontario for for school teachers, and their um, their latest directives in their magazine. I, I threw it behind me, so I don't even have it on my table anymore because it was garbage. Um, their latest directive tells everybody that all of Canada is racist. And mm -hmm. that uh, that we have to you know check our privilege because we're all racist and we have to check our privilege, and then it continues with the black life basically the Black Lives Matter um, um, you know line after line of the Black Lives Matter platform. Uh, this is seeping into our you know we knew it was in our universities now it's seeping into our high schools. Uh, if it's in Ontario high schools, it's going to be in Quebec high schools uh, very very shortly. Uh, how do we protect ourselves and our kids from this? This is crazy leftism. You know, I was, uh, we had this whole conversation at the dinner table, to, or at the breakfast table, I should say. This while, while you talk, I'm going to go get the magazine because I want to yeah. actually read you something from it. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, by the way, I think the editor of that magazine is Pepe Le Pew, but um, anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pepe was, Pepe was banned today. I'm sorry. Pepe Le Pew. No, you know, it's, it, it's funny because... I, I'm here's my biggest conundrum I'm facing right now, and I'm sure you're feeling the same way. So I hear all of this crazy left. Can I can I use the word bull? Whatever. Can I say bull? Yeah. yeah, why not? yeah. Okay. So the lefty bullshit. Excuse me. I gotta say right because I hear the lunacy, this cancel culture, this how Pepe Le Pew is engaging and encouraging rape, how how uh, how we have to put a, a disclaimer for the Muppets. How Greece with John Travolta and Elizabeth, Olivia Newton-John is somehow now the worst thing ever created because it, it promotes uh, machismo and a sense of uh, God. I, don't, I mean, this is it really is lunacy, right? So to to go to this like so to your point, what do you how do we deal with it? I don't know if we can deal with it. Like, how do you correct stupid? Like, how do you do that? How do you you know? So I don't know how to engage on this issue other than to get frustrated about it right now. I haven't found another kind of uh, gear in my stick ship. I just, right now, I'm stuck in this gear where I'm just furious with all of this. So, Dino, I was saying, I was saying to Howie before, I was saying it's amazing of, you know, this is now forcing people to walk on eggshells. If you sneeze the wrong way, you're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to be battered. If you, right. if you say one thing, that's, that's your opinion and you do not, have any you do not insult a person's character, but you say an opinion. It's right away you're a racist. Yeah, yeah. I want I want I want to just uh, define systemic racism according to the magazine here. You see sure. right here it says uh, define defining systemic racism. It's right there. Yeah. All right. So the definition of systemic racism according to the um, 
to the Ontario uh, College of Teachers, which is the certifying body for teachers in Ontario. Systemic racism is deeply rooted within Canadian society and within all of our institutions in the policies, practices, and procedures that lead to the disproportionate outcomes across many spaces. So essentially what they're saying is that we are all racist. Everybody, every institution, everything is racist. Right. Uh, that, that's, that's how they start off the conversation. Well, I mean, you know, like if you... Uh, look, I've actually engaged in this conversation with someone who was like vociferous in her belief that I was racist because I was white. Right. And so, look, do I obviously have I lived the life of someone who has a, a, has in, a, um, lived through racism? No. Uh, am I a black individual? No. Uh, would I know what it means to, for example, be pulled over by the police or to be denied a job application because of my skin color? No, I don't. But the idea that somehow... I can't bring something to the table and and improve the, the situation around me and those of others and encourage a discussion and debate that leads to the betterment of society because I'm but I because I can't do that because I'm racist, then you know what to hell with these people because frankly I don't want to engage with them. I don't want to listen to them. What they do essentially is they push me to block my ears and say, I don't want to listen to your bullshit. And that's what's happening. And this is what they're doing. And this is dangerous because there's a lot of good meaning people like myself, like yourselves, who are saying enough. We're not listening to this anymore. This is crazy. I can't start the conversation. I can't even have a conversation with someone when someone looks me in the face and says, you're a racist. If that's the beginning of the conversation, that's the end of the conversation for me. There's nothing so, left to talk exactly. about. And instead of doing uh, opposite viewpoints, opposite points of view, respectfully, respectful dialogue, respect debate, right. it's right away you're hurling insults. Like I, I've noticed this in a lot of political campaigns. Right. Instead yeah. of, you know, it's one thing to debate certain issues, whatever, right, left, was center, whatever, that's fine. You know, nobody's expect everybody to agree with everybody. Right. You're going to have differences of opinion. But right away it's like, Oh, you're wrong and you're this, or your family's this. And it's right away, it's not about your viewpoints anymore. It's personal attacks and personal assassinations. Right. And imagine how the would-be candidate who wants to be involved in, in government and leadership will say, I'm not putting my name in the hat. Forget this. I don't want to be attacked. Why would any sane so person right. why would any sane person want to put their name up for politics today? You have to be wouldn't. you have to be insane. No, they wouldn't. I mean, they just yeah, it's yeah. very discouraging. Very discouraging. And it's like you you're exposing yourself, you're exposing your family, and your family's more, you know, in the distance. I mean, there is a little bit in the spotlight, right. but it's there in the distance. They're not they're not they're not the ones that want to go into the political uh political arena. But right away, their kids go to school. They can get bullied because of something their mother or father said. That may not be the that may not be the same viewpoint as another person whose parent another child whose parents disagree with that and right away they bring it to the child and they bully right. your child yeah yeah look i'll tell you something I, I to go to something you said earlier sheldon you know where you know we feel like we can't say anything or that we don't want to say anything because we're nervous we're walking on eggshells i will tell you and i have this conversation every single day my poor wife who puts up with me literally i say every single day that i will continuously tell people where i stand i don't care whether they're offended or not about where I stand. I couldn't care less. I will promote my points of view. I will push through the fog. And I tell my kids all the time to do the very same thing. Now, again, they kind of look at me and I lead by example, but I will tell you one thing. I will not live my life and I will not live my life to the end of my days 
being worried about what somebody has to say back to me on this thing. And I think that's the key. It's really important that we push through and do not allow people to shut you down, to cancel you. You, you, there's no way I will ever accept that. And I tell people, look, I'll lead the fight, but you better be coming around with me to fight it with me. I'll lead it, but you got to come and be by my side. And, and that's really the only thing we can do. You have the strength no in numbers, you, you can't have, do it alone. You have no. no idea how many times I get into, how many, how many, how many times they attack me a week. You have no idea. Oh, and so sure. I, I'm fine with that. I, it doesn't bother me. You know, I've been doing this so long that, you know, you, you kind of grow alligator skin after a while. So, so it doesn't <laughs> bother me, but, um, but, but I just find it sad. I find it infinitely sad that mostly intelligent people have bought into this crazy lunacy and, and sell this. Look, last, this, this past week, just, just, just a couple of days ago, uh, somebody was talking about, uh, I was just telling Sheldon before too, uh, somebody was talking about uh, Congressman Eric Swalwell. And I said, well, uh, what, what, does his, what does his Chinese girlfriend, his Chinese spy girlfriend think about that? And the guy called me a racist for referring to her as Chinese. And I was like, but she comes from China. She was a spy from China. So, so how does that make me racist? Uh, it's just descriptive. It's not racist. Yeah. But, 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 but it's all about context, right? It's, it's all about context. And they were over, it's all, all over saturation of, of these words. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you know, again, it's, um, it's not going away. You know, I, I just, I would, today I forced myself to watch CNN. I had a bucket next to me just in case I puke, but I was watching. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> and, and I watched it specifically because I wanted to see Christine Whitmer, yeah. who is the uh, governor of, of uh, Michigan, uh, speak to the Mario Cuomo charges, right? And there's the hypocrisy also of all of this, right? Like, so it's one thing about how we're all, uh, walking on eggshells and feeling like we can't say certain things. And yet, in the same breath, when that kind of lens gets turned on the very people that would like to impose it on us, boy, Ben, let me tell you, do they run for the hills and, and are the biggest hypocrites? Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Christine Whitmer, who, who basically was uh, vociferous in her attacks of Trump and any woman who said, you know, oh, he touched me, he looked at me, he sent me an email, oh, we got to put him to the stake. We got to nail him to the stake. We got to burn him at the cross. I mean, they, she was ready to kill this guy and never called for investigations, never called to let, let uh, you know, reasonable or, or, or cooler heads prevail. And today, of course, a Democrat Cuomo is being attacked. And now she's being asked her very same comments and say, well, do you, do you, don't you think that these women should believe? Well, you know, uh, I think, well, uh, you know, and, and, and dancing, always well, we heard, dancing, always dancing. You heard oh, she, got, she got caught big time. But you heard the oh, exact same thing when, uh, when the woman came out and said that Biden attacked her too. Uh, oh, listen. That, that story so, just disappeared, right? Yeah, look, I mean, again, you know, a woman has some serious allegations, but again, she happens to be attacking a Democrat. The press is going to be defending these guys. Look, it's all disgusting. That's why I say, and I, and I hate to turn this back to Trump, but I still haven't gotten over the fact that he's no longer there. Uh, but I will say this. What I really appreciated about the man, and, and it's going to only be something that people will look back on years from now, he couldn't care less what anybody had to say against him. He just plowed right through. He was the steamroller. And whether you liked him, didn't agree with him, it's irrelevant. He stood for something and he just plowed through. And I take some inspiration from that in that you have to believe to the core of your being in certain fundamental truths that you have to believe in what you believe in and you have to espouse those positions. And if you don't, 
you've basically given up the fight. So, so you know, my, my only advice to anybody out there is listening, because I get a lot of messages and emails and whatnot. People say, you know, thanks a lot for saying that. I, I feel the same way, but I'm always nervous to put this out there. I'm not nervous of putting anything out there. I couldn't care less. I'm not going to live my life being, being afraid in the shadows. Dino, well, Dino, Dino, Dino inspires me. Dino actually inspires me. I, 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 get, I get very inspired when I talk to Dino and when I read Dino's stuff. Um, How I read a lot of your stuff, and I, and I know you think this is a mutual admiration society, but I could tell you when I read some of the things you write, I'm like, you know, good for him, man. He's put his quote balls on the line there, you know. And I and I do, I really respect that, Howie. You know that I've told you this many yeah. times. One thing about Howie was never say, afraid to say any any point any points or whatever. Never. He he stuck to his guns, and as Ooh. long as I've known him, which is how long have I known you now, Howie? At least what 15, 20 years? More than that. So yeah. it's like he's yeah. always one thing about Howie. God bless him. Is he always stuck to his guns? He Ooh. never was afraid for anybody, and that's what you have to do. And this is what and the problem is with also in a lot of commercial radio stations. You get control from the top telling you what to say. Yeah, and that's what that's what's great to put your your new show in sidebar, which is going to be great because you are going to be Dino at its best. You're going to be you're going to you're going to you're going to go out there and you're going to say exactly without. Well, well, that's a no filter. And just to to my position, always respectful, of course, of others. And by the way, I'm going to bring on debate where, you know, it'll be somebody who doesn't agree. I don't want people to agree with me. I want to be able to have a good conversation here like Howie. And I know I've read some of what Howie's written over the last several months. I fear, however, that that conversation can't really happen anymore. You know, I went to McGill Law. And we used to pride ourselves on, in, on being able to kind of have conversations in the hallways and moot court, uh, in classrooms, that we took different positions on issues, but we were always respectful. I'm not so convinced that that could happen today, to be frank with you. And so that's what's missing is respectful dialogue, respectful debate that even because there are a lot of times I'll learn something from Howie, I'll learn something from you. And I'll say, you know, I may not agree with certain things, but I'll say, you know what, that's a really interesting point, because it learning and respectful is also about learning other things it's not always you're you're always right correct it's always about education when teachers are teaching their students it's the same thing as if people are having a a, a opposite points of view it's respectful and it's all about learning it's about the learning process absolutely and that's what and that's what it's all about and that's what's seriously missing and that's what i'm frankly afraid of Listen, if you have kids like I do at a young age, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, you know, without getting into too many specifics, there's a lot of um, indoctrination take, that takes place, you know, at the level of the school. And, yeah. and, and so it's, 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 it frustrates me because my kids are not as kind of emboldened as I am right now. They just want to do their studies and they don't want to get into scraps. Uh, but, you know, uh, hopefully with time, they'll understand the need to, to stand on principles. So well, that comes with age and experience, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. if anybody could ha- lead by example, it's their father. That's for sure. All right, so that's, that's it. We're all out of time. Um, oh no! Are you serious? No. Well, you you decide to come on for a half hour. So know, <laughs> it goes know, by I quick. Um, uh, but but you're always welcome back anytime you want. You know. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And I can't to do this uh, thing with the uh, True Talk Radio soon enough. So uh, excellent. So Dino's speaking at the Knights of Pythias on Wednesday. If you want to get the link, email kop.quebec at gmail.com. That's kop.quebec at gmail.com. They'll send you all the information and the link. And uh, I, I'll be there. I'll be watching because uh, I'm curious what Dino has to say. And, oh, yeah, uh, I'll be watching too, for sure. Cool, cool. Great, guys. I appreciate it. 
And I'll be back again on Tuesday right here on True Talk Radio with Political Hitman at midnight on Tuesday. Yes, I do a midnight show. It's crazy, and I, I, I know it is, but, uh, but I do a midnight to 1 o'clock in the morning show on Wednesday mornings. Uh, so I'll be here on Wednesday, Wednesday morning at midnight, Tuesday into Wednesday. Uh, See how much why. he loves this, Stino? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> what energy. Fantastic. And I, I, I don't even get paid for it. It's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, so until then, I want to thank you two for, uh, for being here with me. I want to thank everybody for listening. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you again. We'll see you again on Tuesday. I'm Take Howie Silberger. Take care, everybody. The Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. <laughs>